So welcome to the Anything Everything podcast. Uh, back again, Tare and myself. Today's topic is procrastination. Yes. What do you think about that, Tare? Procrastination is big. So I remember back in university, I used to procrastinate all the time. And I'm sure viewers listening to this can really, really relate to the whole concept of procrastination. I think most people, if not all, at some point in their in their lives struggle with procrastination. So mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to dive into the whole topic of procrastination mm-hmm. and why we tend to procrastinate. What is it about putting off tasks that's so alluring to us? Yeah. Why do we always do it? When we know deep down that if we actually sit down and do a task, it's usually better to get it done earlier. Mm-hmm. But instead, we chase we chase things that we probably shouldn't be chasing and we tend to put off tasks to later. So it's a topic that I think a lot of people can resonate with. And I'm really, really excited to dive deep into it mm-hmm. because I think we have, like from what I've explored, I don't know what you have over there, but you do seem to have a lot of notes. <laughs> I think yep. that I think that we, we can add a lot of value for people and give them some mm-hmm. tips as well on how to manage procrastination if they really struggle a lot with it. So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also quite fitting because we're bringing up this topic around the time where people are going back to university and school. Yeah. So the summer is is, uh, is over now. People are going back and dude, the weather though, it's still, it's still super hot. I hope <laughs> summer gets over soon. Well, they can't procrastinate about going to school or university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. So they're they're fixed on that. Uh, so I'll I'll start by defining procrastination. Yeah. And then we can see how it we we can steer our way around how you know, external factors affect us. And then mm. we'll find our way slowly towards the internal side of the mind and, and why do we really procrastinate? Nice. So what, what, how would you define procrastination? Uh, so procrastination is defined as a voluntary, unnecessary delay of an important task that you have, despite knowing that you're going to be worse off for doing so. So we're, we're actively delaying. Right. We, we know and we know that we're delaying we and we're doing it on purpose. And we are. Right. So... I think we can start by looking at, okay, the way the world is now, the modern world, is that we have a lot of distractions. There are a lot of distractions. And I think a lot of people would use this excuse that, okay, I can't seem to focus because there's just so much in the world out there on media or whatever that is taking my attention, right? So we're in the attention economy. Everything is about your attention. Yeah. So that that certainly plays on, on people's minds. So... Uh, what do you what do you think? Is is it a matter of distractions alone? Or? I think a lot of it is distraction. The one thing that I'm trying to reconcile is with the advent of social media, these very quick distractions are much easier mm. to come by. Yeah. So does that mean that now in the modern age, compared to let's say thirty or forty years ago, is it? a much bigger problem, procrastination, I mean. Is it is it much more prevalent in today's mm. society because of how much distractions we have around us? So if you think about it, maybe 50 years ago, mm. what would someone do if they want to procrastinate? They might, you know, clean the house. They might mm. do something like read. So right now you can just pick up your phone <clears throat> and open something that usually you're you're really interested in mm. and get that distraction that way so i'm one I'm, i'm wondering if there's like some sort of correlation with the advent of social media and the increased procrastination 
100%. I, I tend to agree with that, especially with social media and, you know, the personal phone, the personal laptop. It just I, increased distractions, didn't it? Certainly did. It, yeah, it definitely and I definitely did. agree that distraction is probably the biggest external factor mm. for uh, probably the only one actually for procrastination mm. that comes from outside. Yeah. And, and while we, we can see that where we are now, when, you, as you were saying, we're looking back 50 years ago, hundred years ago, maybe even before, because procrastination is something that even the Greeks have spoken about, but did they have that level of distraction that we have? I think instinctively we want to say no, because they just didn't have phones. Yeah. Right. And could you really procrastinate on like important tasks back in the day that you needed to do because maybe they were more time bound? Now we can procrastinate and we can get away with it. I think that's the danger uh, in it as well, is that we procrastinate for students and, uh, and in university and high school. They can get away with it because you can cram the night before an exam and still make it. So the consequences aren't so dire nowadays, even though it's more prevalent, perhaps. Do we know that the consequences were dire back in the ancient times? I'm, I'm just thinking about it because, okay, what tasks did they have that they needed to do, right? You, you'd argue that, you know, a blacksmith or a farmer or, uh, you know, so on and so forth. They had tasks that they needed to do for survival, perhaps, or for their job. Right. So could you really procrastinate? Let's say you made a deal with, with someone for a certain item you need to fashion in time. And you didn't tell them, you know, be here at 2 p.m., Right? It, it wasn't that level of detail, but you, you had to do it for your livelihood, right? So it was, it was more about survival. I tend to feel that they couldn't really procrastinate as much because it was tied to their, you know, survival and, you know, uh, food, food security. I think that makes sense mm. because there's much more pressure, I guess, mm. on people to do their jobs and yeah. to actually do the work, much more pressure than there is now. Probably, so that right? probably reduces the risk of procrastination. Mm. But if they talked about it mm. back then, then I'm sure it was still a problem. It was, for sure. Yeah. But again, we're looking at the, the, the thinkers. And the thinkers, right? The people that aren't the common person. You know, like when you talk about, when you look like at... philosophers exactly. and uh, scholars and yeah. those types of... I mean, they had helpers, right? That, that helped them do things as well. They lived a sort of a, you know, high status life. So you mentioned, you mentioned thinkers. Do you think there is like a correlation with the type of task or the type of job and procrastination? It may be the case, yeah. It's certainly, certainly maybe. Again, think about when, when you have to do something, what is the feedback when you don't do it? The feedback for something really dire could have been no food, could have been someone replaces you immediately, right? Nowadays, it's maybe the consequences aren't that dire. Uh, at least in, you know, like in school, you can, you can get out of it. If you're a bit late, you can go speak to your teacher and so on. In university as well, in jobs, okay, it's not as serious, but you, people could lose their jobs if it's a pattern, right? So the higher the risk, the less likely procrastination is a problem. Probably, yeah. I, I, I tend to see it that way. And maybe the risk was much higher back in the day. For, right? some, for some people, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's still high risk for a lot of people in today's society mm. that have jobs that they can't miss or they yeah. can't procrastinate on. Yeah, like the jobs that need alertness all the time, yeah. air traffic control, emergency. You can't procrastinate when you there's can't. an emergency. You can't. Even if you're working like at a warehouse somewhere, or if you're working in construction, you can probably cr procrastinate a little bit, mm. but ultimately output is very measurable yeah. in these situations. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of desk jobs that we have today, 
that probably a lot of them mm-hmm. didn't exist back mm-hmm. way back when it's not as hard it's not as clear cut like what the output is how much work you're putting in exactly. especially now with remote work there isn't someone looking over your shoulder and analyzing whether mm-hmm. or not you're working so it just makes it much easier to procrastinate 100% and, and it's the service industry what you're referring to essentially yeah is that when we moved from sort of manufacturing to service which is more prevalent now in the economy is that you actually have license to procrastinate more yeah so it protects you yeah so we're, and uh, being at home and working from home it's just 100%. imagine how easy it is to get distracted no one's looking at you mm. yeah, yeah 100% 100% so one one of the other aspects i think that comes up a lot around procrastination. So we've talked about distractions. Perfectionism. Perfectionism. Yeah. Perfectionism yeah. Is, is a big one for me personally. And I think this is it's quite common with a lot of people. I think, and if you ask me a few years ago, I would probably use it as an excuse. I find it now a weak excuse for procrastinating. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. Explain how it's, how it's related. It's related because you, when you want to do a task, you're put off by maybe not being clear on the output of that task and, and how much you can you know, contribute and, and how to get it to the final stage. And so you kind of use this lazy excuse that I'm a perfectionist, I want it to be perfect, and you don't end up doing anything. I think that's what's common is that by procrastinating, you, you're, you're not putting it off for a point in time where you know that I'm going to get a good output. You're putting off indefinitely and you might not even do anything. And it's not going to be your best work anyways. So that's that's how I've experienced it at least. So why would you delay starting a task mm. if you're a perfectionist? What's the intrinsic reason? What inside you makes mm. you feel like I don't want to start it now? Is it the uncertainty about the output or is it mm. something else? Like what's going on internally for you when you're thinking okay, I'm a perfectionist, but then also something creeps in that makes you put off whatever mm. you need to do. What I, looking back, and, and obviously now sort of countered it, it was around what is known now as abstract goal setting. When you set a goal for something and it's abstract and you're not clear how to start and how to sort of proceed, that's how I've fallen into that perfectionist trap. Is that I've put a, here's an example, in university, which, you know, we both attended uh, the same university. Let's say there's an, a midterm coming up in one, one week. And I would put a, a note, sticky note, you know, and say, study math 201. Okay. Which is, you a know. A tough course. A tough course, which we know, and, and not a specific plan at all. It's far from it, right? Yeah, study math 201. There's nothing tangible. At all. Yeah. So that idea of, okay, I keep telling myself, I'm going to, I look at the book, I, uh, you know, I rearrange the book sitting on the desk. You end up cleaning around, you know, in I the, see what in you're the house. And there's actually a term for that called procrastic clearing or procrastic cleaning, where you come to, and I think this is tied to perfectionism, is that when you come to study or prepare or do a task, your mind tells you, and it's part of distractions as well, that let me clean and have the perfect environment before starting. And you end up because it'll make you work better. That's 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 kind of the yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy almost. I think so. Where it just keeps repeating. And it might it might work help you work better. I think some people, you know, perhaps they need a good environment. They need it to be sort of clean and perfect before starting. But it does put you off. It certainly affects. And you can you. also take it way overboard. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. 
So, so do you have any experiences around that with perfectionism? I wouldn't say I'm a perfectionist per se. So hmm. I was always someone who is, I mean, back in university, I was always someone who was content to just do the bare minimum. Hmm. Okay. So you found a way to do, you know, enough to start at least because I, I wasn't able to start at times. I think that's an issue. The only way that I found I was able to start is when the pressure becomes way too intense for me to manage. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I would always be procrastinating, but mm. in the back of my mind, I'm like, I could, I could just study a couple of hours before the exam. Mm. And usually what happens is the exam day would be the next day and I still haven't studied and I still haven't done anything. And I pull an all nighter yeah. because that's the only way I'd have time to study. Yeah, yeah. So a week before the exam, I'm like, okay, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not really familiar with the material, but I know based on historically how I've done exams and how I've performed, mm. I know that I can probably put it off for a couple of days. That's one week before the exam. Two or three days later, mm -hmm. I'm like, I have a glance at the material required for the exam. And I'm like, mm, this just looks, this looks pretty easy. So I could put it mm. off for another day or two. Yeah. Another day or another two days, a bunch of distractions come by. I'm like, let me just do this thing. Let me just do this thing. And suddenly it's the night before the exam and I still haven't studied. And the I've been- The clock sticking, yeah. Yeah, but the whole time I've been putting it off voluntarily. Mm. I know in the back of my head that this is something that I need to do. Mm. But then a night before the exam, the pressure really starts to accumulate in my head. Like, mm -hmm. okay, there's nothing. I can't just put it off anymore. There's, I have no option, yeah, yeah. I need to study. So I cram and I cram before the exam and I go to the exam, but never in my head do I think I need to get the best grade possible or I need to be the top performer at the university. Uh, this was back in my school and university days. I've changed a lot since then. Mm. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because otherwise like, I'd be probably performing really badly at work. Uh, but I think the, the main, one of the main things when it comes to like procrastinating and reasons we procrastinate is also how invested you are in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of it as well. And that's also internal. Mm. In university, I wasn't invested yeah. in, in learning. Yeah, it's about the motivation. It's yeah, about, yeah, and yeah. the stuff that I was learning wasn't stuff that interested me. And it wasn't stuff that I saw tangible value from. In fact, what I wanted to do was ditch studying completely. If it weren't for my parents, I wouldn't have even finished university. I would have dropped out from year one. Yeah. Because I wanted to start my own business and I wanted to try to hustle and make money. I didn't want a college education. Mm. Uh, so that that as well really contributed to the fact that I kept putting off tax, tasks and probably also contributed in the lack of me caring whether or not I do really well. So perfectionism didn't really come into play for me. Okay. No, no, good, good. And, and your, your point around cramming till the last uh, sort of day, there, there's an interesting sort of, uh, you know, profiling done by a psychologist called Joseph Ferrari in uh, University of Chicago. Okay. And he grouped Procrastinators under three buckets. Okay. Thrill seekers, which I think you fall in that uh, regard, in, in, into that bucket. Avoiders, and then thirdly, indecisives. Avoidance, thrill seeking, indecisiveness. Right. So I think you're on the thrill seeking side because of your, you know, you like that stress. You're able to, and there's that, you know, there's a reward loop that you give yourself. Yeah. Because when it works, you keep telling yourself that, okay. I can do it. I can do it. Certainly. 
I've personally, I think I fall, I've fallen more under the indecisives at times where I wasn't able to just take a decision and go like, okay, am I going to study? Am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And that obviously adds up to the stress and mm -hmm. builds up. I'd like to just dive into those a bit more because I, I mm. they sound really interesting. So when you say, when you say thrill seeking, mm. it just means that number one, you're probably a risk taker. Yep. So you enjoy the feeling of a risk versus a reward. Uh, number two, you're kind of more confident or maybe overconfident about your ability to deliver under pressure. Mm -hmm. So those two are probably characteristic of being a thrill seeker because pressure gives you a thrill. Yep. So postponing things to the last minute add a lot of pressure, which gives you that thrill and makes you much more anxious, probably raises mm. your cortisol levels in your body. Yep. And that kind of thrill and adrenaline and anxiety pushes you to work harder and maybe sometimes even pushes you to do your best work in mm. some cases. Yeah, it may be the case that you're just sort of like gathering all this energy in a focused manner. And yeah, it's, you handle the stress well. Yeah, I think it's a very fine thing to balance though. Mm. I don't think it's easy to balance yeah. because you need to really understand what is it, what kind of effort you need to put in to reach the mm. optimal outcome. So that's thrill seeking. Mm. Uh, indecisiveness, how does that work? So you, you, you're, you, there's an inability to <clears throat> take a decision. You're not able to juggle the number of decisions you have to do. And, and you don't know where to start, you don't know what to prioritize, and so on. So it's more around maybe the time management aspect. Yeah. The avoidance, the avoiders are, I think it's more around the judgment side, where you feel like you have doubt in your abilities, you're not very confident, you have a bit of insecurity. So that also plays on, you know, like how confident you are in an exam. Yeah. Even if you have two weeks ago, like, for example, maths, right? Maths is a disaster. And people actively say that I'm not a math person. Yeah, or I'm not good at math. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like the most course or, or topic that people associate an identity with that I'm just not a math person. Yeah. Which, uh, which we can get into, actually. It, it jumps us nicely into, you know, another segment. There's uh, a book by a doctor called Barbara Oakley. The book is called Mind for Numbers. And it essentially covers her struggles with learning math and science in university and so on. And it goes through sort of her, her journey overcoming that and understanding how the mind works in order to help students with math and, and science. Okay. And it, it's, it's really interesting. Now, what she talked about with math students specifically, and she notes this in the book, is that they've done studies on math students and they found that uh, these medical imagery on the brain they show that the pain areas light up when thinking about maths. Is that that's how much it, it causes sort of trauma to your mind. And, Which and is why they end up doing procrastinating due to avoidance. 100%. They're avoiding pain. Yeah, it, it's, it's purely, you it's know, like the fight pain. or flight in a sense, right? Yeah, it's, just, it's you a pain avoid, section of the brain. You want to avoid pain. And moving on with that point, they found that the pain of anticipation is greater than the pain of action. So when you start doing, the pain actually wears off. It yeah. subsides. Insane. And then this is summarized really nicely by another sort of procrastination expert that says the dread of doing a task actually consumes time and effort more than doing it. Yeah. So look how much we, we focus and we dwell on just thinking about the task and how much it affects us. The anticipation anxiety is a big thing. Right. Anticipation anxiety is known that you're anticipation of a certain outcome or a certain event 
is almost always <clears throat> worse than the event mm. itself. Yeah. For example, anticipation anxiety when you're about to get on stage and give a speech. This has nothing to do with procrastination, mm. but it just kind of ties back in to the fact that when you're anticipating something, yeah. it can really hurt and it can really torment you emotionally. Mm. And it's the same with people who avoid tasks, I guess. Mm. And, and that's why they procrastinate. Like in their heads, they're probably like, I know I need to study and I really want to study, but their brain is just giving them these pain signals, which makes them much, much more likely to get distracted by menial mm. things and end up putting off the task until it's too late. When as in rea whereas in reality, I think most people, most, most people by far, if they put their minds to it and they study, they could pass math and they could understand it, yeah. right? Like I think the threshold for the mathematics, at least that it doesn't go too deep into the theoretical realm, you can yeah. understand that if you study and if you 100%. don't want to understand it, you can study and memorize certain formulas and still pass and do well. Mm. Like I've like people in, in university that study a lot, not necessarily math people, mm. as in they're not inclined naturally as people to understand the logic of math, would still pass mathematics. Mm. So no. it's just because they learned how to uh, keep procrastination at bay and to like battle that pain of avoidance and mm. overcome it and just sit and study. But then there are probably people who are more prone to it than others. 100%. And I think especially with math, because there's a huge practice element, right? More than maybe other courses yeah. because other courses are reading based much more reading but you can't study math by reading it mm. you know you, you study other courses by reading them math is once you get that sort of what they call activation energy and you just get into the zone i found that you actually enjoy studying math more than other courses after it took me a while but i found that enjoyment after a bit you put music you can you know waste an hour or two on equations once you get the gist of it it's just about practice and obviously we're simplifying it way more. I wish I had this mindset in university. Yeah, same. You remember the course Math 201, for example. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a nightmarish course for, for people. Yeah, most uh, people had I, struggled a lot with it. Yeah, that uh, there's any course that caused trauma. And, you know, I think there was a, it's probably the most course that was repeated, at least for sophomore and sophomore students. I would say it's probably right? is. It probably is. Most yeah, most course that's repeated. Yeah. I know a shitload of people who have failed the course and had to do it again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, and it's required for a lot of uh, majors. Yeah, it, it was for, in, in our case, economics and engineering. So, yeah. yeah. So you have a whole, you know, two major faculties that needed to rely on it. Mm. It's it's crazy. And so, I, I mean, we're, we're going around, we start off with distractions. We start off with looking at perfectionism. And we're, we've kind of, we've reached this point where it's really about the emotions. We're, 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 we've been circling a little bit and it really comes down to this is what sort of neuroscientists now tell us is that it's a, it's a matter of emotional regulation rather than time management. It's really just about your emotions. And, and there's, a, there's a neuroscientist called Nawal Mustafa. She talked about three sort of uh, kind of subsets of why procrastination happens. All right. Firstly, uh, it's about managing or inability to manage negative emotions. Okay. And, and your negative mood. Secondly, it's about instant gratification, pleasure principle. And then thirdly, is about the present bias. So I think we can sort of deconstruct each one of those. We talked a bit about negative moods. It's mostly, it seems to be around self-doubt, insecurities, and anxiety, right? And we 
What we do is we put off that bad feeling, the pain, right? Because of, okay, I don't feel very well now. I'm not very confident about this course. Let me postpone it and I'll do something that feels good. And this is where the pleasure principle comes in, right? Is that you reward yourself. This is where it really gets tricky. Is that what happens is you put off a task that you know you should do. And then you reward yourself by doing something that is instant gratification. Gives you a dopamine hit. Gives you a dopamine hit. And, and it's purely the pleasure principle where you're pushing away pain and you're getting pleasure. And that creates a maybe a sort of dissonance in your mind because you that cycle... There's a reward. There's a reward. For so, procrastinating. So your mind likes procrastination. It ends up liking it and it's a habit that you can't really break because by not doing this task, I'm getting a reward. So you see how it can be, this is why I think it's so chronic and it's hard to really distill uh, and, you know, and overcome for students. Yeah, not just students, adults. And, and adults as well, right? I think, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the metric is, but I do know that the poll that we posted on our Instagram account about whether or not people tend to procrastinate, mm. most people... I think it was, what was it, 60% or 70%, maybe, I don't, I don't remember what the numbers were, maybe even more I than that. I think more than 60%, yeah. Said that they do struggle with procrastination. Yeah. So. We actually, we put it in a, in a sort of funny way. There were three options. The first option is I do all my tasks on time. Yes. Yeah. And so, we had two people out of 16? Uh, 10%, two out of 20. Two out of 20. Yeah, two out of 20 said, I think, and again, they're probably joking about that. The majority said, I put the pro in procrastination. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. they struggle with procrastination, struggle basically. With and then a few rather, you know, comically as well said, can I answer this later? Yeah, so that was the third choice. I think yeah. the comic part was you because you put those choices. Oh, up. no, no, I left, I didn't vote. I left it for no, others. No, but you, you had that choice. So oh, the yeah, choice yeah. of I'll answer this later yeah, yeah. was one that you... Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would have absolutely. probably put that choice. I didn't answer the poll either, but that would have been my my choice. Yeah, I'll answer it later. No, no, exactly. But I mean, that tells you as well that it's a mm. procrastination thing. It's like a comedy sort of approach to saying that yeah. I procrastinate. The So yeah, so we know that a lot of adults also struggle with it. Yeah. I know that it's... I think the difference between being an adult and being a student is probably because when you're an adult, you have a lot more responsibilities. So mm. you know that there is much more risk if you procrastinate. Yeah, Cons Again, back to consequences, right? There are much, much more dire consequences. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're immune to procrastination or that mm. we don't procrastinate. Mm. I think a lot of us, me included, struggle with trying to overcome the day-to-day -day mm. pull of procrastination. Uh, personally, I still procrastinate sometimes and yeah. I do it knowingly okay. because I tend to be someone who works better under pressure. Which we highlighted. Yeah, <laughs> we, we highlighted that. Yeah, yeah. And my job is a pretty high pressure job at mm. the moment, which means that I'm fulfilled at my job and it doesn't leave me much room to procrastinate because there's always something pressing that I need to get to. Okay. And the fact that I work really well under pressure and I'm working in a very high pressure environment made me really excel mm. at my job. Okay. So I think what this comes to is, if you're someone who knows that you struggle with procrastination, mm -hmm. maybe you can find something that kind of complements that part of you. Yeah, that unique style of, yeah. You have a, While you, we all you, have it as the same, there are certain, yeah. Factors. If you understand your weaknesses and you come to terms with them and mm. you accept them, and then you start diving into ways where you could not necessarily combat them, but mm. instead embrace them and do your best work knowing how 
what kind of things can distract you and why you tend to fall into the procrastination trap. That'll be, I mean, that'll be something that would help you. But I also want to say that hmm. a lot of people think that people who procrastinate are lazy. Okay. And there's a correlation in people's minds that laziness equals procrastination. In fact, even I had that cor correlation in my head mm. until very recently when I learned more about procrastination. If you would ask me a couple of weeks ago, back in university, were you lazy? I would have mm. told you 100%. I was a super lazy person. Yeah. But there's a difference between laziness and procrastination now that I read about it. And the fundamental difference is if you're lazy, you're putting off something and you don't care about whether or not you do it. Okay. There's no intent of doing a specific task. Hmm. If you have to write an essay or if you have to do a project for work, some sort of PowerPoint presentation, if you're lazy, you're gonna do stuff and get distracted by things and in your mind, you're like, I don't care if I finish this presentation or not. Mm -hmm. If I don't finish it, I'll just tell my boss I had to do something else and I'll finish it next week. If you're procrastinating, in the back of your mind, there's always something tugging at it. There's mm -hmm. always something pulling you and telling you, yo, there's this thing and you need to do it. But for whatever reason, bunch of reasons we outlined, whatever your procrastination style is, you tend to put it off, mm. but you always know that you're going to do that task and you always intend to do that task. However, because procrastination is such a tricky thing, it might end up affecting the quality of your work if you put it off for too long. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between laziness and procrastination. So if, you're, if, you, if you feel like you're someone who procrastinates, very normal, yeah. It's normal, a lot of us are affected by it. Don't put yourself down and say that you're lazy because laziness is something else. If you don't <clears throat> care about what you're doing, you don't care about completing a certain task, then yeah, you're lazy. Yeah. But if you do care about it, yeah. and there are things that you feel almost are out of your control, and you just keep getting distracted, then yeah. it's procrastination, and it's not really laziness. Mm. And I, I really like that because it helped me kind of feel better about what procrastination is. And it also helps, you know, to probably overcome procrastination when you have that kind of attitude mm. towards it. No, and, and it's a good point because you, you kind of talk about that self-talk. Part of it is understanding the task and, and your relationship with it and the intent. And, and one of the things perhaps that they, uh, we, we can get into a little bit around the tips and, and what, they've say, what they say is you, want, you need to forgive yourself. We know we, we procrastinate, you're never going to do everything that you need to do and all the tasks you have. So you have to forgive yourself. There's an angle around self-compassion that is backed up by research that you actually, you'll do better when you, you know, instill that feeling that, okay, I know I'm not going to complete everything. So it's fine. You kind of, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. Let's, let's try to, let's try to dissect why that would be. Hmm. So if you forgive yourself, there are, there are two, <clears throat> there are two things that I'm thinking about here. One thing is, if you procrastinate and you forget, forgive yourself, do you fall into some sort of situation where you're kind of way too easy on yourself mm. and you start forgiving yourself for procrastinating more and more and that kind of feeds into itself mm. and you become a chronic procrastinator because you're fulfilling your, uh, because you're forgiving yourself or is it, 
if you don't forgive yourself, mm. there's too much added stress on your brain and that pain part of your brain is much more activated. So you're much more likely to get distracted if you don't forgive yourself because mm. there's so much added pressure and stress on your head. It's a, I think there's balance. a balance. Definitely. I mean, the latter is more of a negative vicious cycle, right? That if you stay in that, it's hard to get out. Now, I think if you start with the forgive yourself and move towards the center where you're, you forgive yourself, but again, it's how much, right? You yeah. can't, you can't, you know, be too forgiving and because things have to be done. Exactly. You know? you know, you have to get things done or shit done, as they say. But if you're, if you're stuck in that negative cycle, this, we know that the stress is bad. We know that you, for most people, you don't really handle the stress well. So it's better to just avoid that. Avoid that and move towards the angle of, or the direction of forgiving yourself and compassion. And and juggle. And again, it's about knowing that you can't do everything. You know, you really can't. Time is limited for, for whatever it is. You're, you're bound by other factors, things outside of your control. And the urgency of certain things, you know, you can't handle that. You, you, you can't juggle it or you can't set it. You know, there are things that just, Others, peop other people set for you, and you just have to go with it. Okay. But at least for your own tasks, yeah, you know, you know that. Okay, I'm. For example, we talk this about this all the time. Even for this podcast, there are things that we kind of we manage delay, in a sense, which is a nice way of saying procrastination. We manage delay. Now, not sure. Yeah, we, we still have a bit of time. There was one point I wanted to bring up around, you know, the, the third point around emotional regulation, and there's a nice story around that present bias. Now, present bias is how we're, we feel disconnected from our future selves, okay? And there are, there are studies that tell us that on a neural level, we actually view our future self as like a different person. And that's part of why we procrastinate as well, is that there, the connection isn't there. It's perhaps maybe a sort of dissonance as well, but it's just we, it's like who you are now and, and I'll give you a nice example about it, and who you are tomorrow are almost different people. It's, it's, it's why we... It's why we struggle so much with delayed gratification. 100%. And, and thinking long term, right? It's from a neurological point of view, it's tough. And I think it goes back to sort of how they, they understand the mind. We have sort of three systems. The mind is, there's the two sort of archaic. There are like limbic and the reptilian. And then you have the prefrontal, which has evolved much more recently, right. relatively more recent. That's, that's in, involved in self-control, involved in long-term planning, in, involved in restraint. And we, we have a hard time balance, balancing that with our animalistic instincts, right? And the example is actually from Jerry Seinfeld. Um, I hope you, yeah, I, yeah, I hope I, you don't know this. Okay. Oh, perfect. maybe maybe I don't know it. Yeah. If you've seen the show Seinfeld, I haven't seen uh, most of it, but uh, I've seen this clip. So he has a bit at the beginning of the episode where he says, "Okay, so I have a I have a problem. I struggle because I like I have night guy and I have morning guy. So I have night." Jerry and I have morning Jerry. Night Jerry wants to stay up, have fun, and you know, and you know, enjoy himself. Morning Jerry hates night Jerry because morning Jerry never gets enough sleep. So there's this constant battle between night Jerry and morning Jerry, and morning Jerry just says that guy sucks. So the only thing morning Jerry can do can do is to stay in late and uh, miss his job so that night Jerry gets fired and then can't stay up late anymore. Sort of something like that. That's, that yeah. That Captures makes sense. It, it makes uh, sense. You know? It's like your future self is is different. The I think the tendency and the way mm. the way consciousness is in general is that you're living in the moment, right? If you look at much more primitive brains, mm. that of animals, 
they're just in the moment the whole time. 100%. They have no concept of future. Yeah, yeah. If you think about a dog, the dog is just like now, 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 100%. now. Like yeah. if if you try to teach delayed gratification to a dog, you could see them struggle. Mm. Like if you put a treat in front of them and you ask them to wait, they're struggling. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really tough. And you can train them to delay gratification, but ultimately they know that they're going to be gratified. And if they don't delay gratification, mm. they're not getting the gratification that they're going to okay. get. Yeah. So, and I think our brains are just an evolved version of that primitive brain, 100%. which means that despite all the intelligence that we have, mm. we're still people who live in the moment. Yeah, we fall victim to that. We think too much about the future. And there's some studies that say, if you're someone who dwells too much on the future, you tend to be an anxious person. Mm. If you're someone who dwells too much on the past, you tend to be a depressed person. And if you're someone who lives in the moment, generally you're more healthy mentally. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... There are nuances within those. There are well. definitely nuances, yeah. but, but... But generally, yeah. But that's like a general, you could say, rule of thumb. Yeah. The thing is though, when it comes to procrastination, you kind of have to think about the future state, right? Yeah. Even, even though living in the moment is much more enticing, that distraction that's at your fingertips now, which is mm. your phone, you can watch a video that's gonna make you laugh. What's nicer than a dopamine hit from a chuckle or a laugh or seeing a really, mm. really cute cat uh, on, a, on a video? You know, yeah, those kinds yeah, yeah, of things. Yeah, absolutely. They're just gonna give your brain like we said earlier, those dopamine hits, and they're right <clears throat> here and they're right now and they're right at your fingertips. Mm. The massive 50 slide PowerPoint presentation. Isn't going anywhere and it's not doing anything for you. Exactly. Yeah. And even when you start it and you do that first slide and that second slide, there isn't, there isn't that loop in your head that's giving you dopamine hits. It's yeah. rewarding you for finishing the first slide and the second slide. Yeah. The, the reward is gonna come later when you finish all 50 and you rehearse it and you're like, I'm gonna crush this thing. Yeah. But our brains, they're not wired like that. 100%. You have to kind of train it. Right, you have and to train have your to brain to think that way. Yeah, you have to. Hack so, how do we go about? How do we go about changing this wiring? <clears throat> so, there are a number of hacks, and and some I've used, and you know, obviously from research. So, I, I have four main main ones, and and you know, curious to see you know how you feel about these or additional ones. The first one I find is there has to be something around action. Is that how can I get activation energy? How can I immerse myself into starting something? And there's a colleague of mine that gave me this actually a few years ago, the two minute rule. If something you think can take two minutes, do it immediately. Do not push it away. Do not postpone it. Jump in, get it out of the way. Answer that email, upload that file, whatever it is, do it if it's two minutes. So it's a quick, you know, like heuristic, jump into it. The next is, I think a bit more, you know, about around planning and long-term is about you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan for your week. With, with our jobs, with other jobs as well, it, it's overwhelming. You can't memorize everything. Your, your attention span is, is all over the place. You, you can't really hold things in your working memory, too many things as well. So you, you have to be good at planning. You have to get into that. Thirdly, specificity. And this is where we talked about the abstract goal setting, is that when I told myself, study 201, I, I didn't touch the book for four days. Four days because I didn't know what to do Beyond, you had too broad of a, it, of a goal. It, was, it lacked specificity. I needed to go like, okay, how many chapters are there? This chapter, how many pages? 
What's my assessment of how long each chapter will take? Okay, how can I break this down according to the plan? So you need that level of specificity. And then finally, finally, one that's a bit more sort of amusing and has a historical you know, um, background and story is the Pomodoro technique. The Pomodoro is Italian for tomato, and it was invented by a chef who used to put a tomato-shaped timer and use it to time different activities in the kitchen. Okay. So I use that now for like, you know, on the watch, 25 minutes, I'm going to do this task, put uh, a playlist or something. Once so you I, time box things. You have to time box. It, it helps me a lot, you know, to do tasks and then reward yourself. You need that cycle of, you know, sort of like the Pavlovian view is that I'm going to do the timer. When I'm done, stand up, change your environment, give yourself a reward. How, how do you reward yourself? By mo moving away. Put the laptop away, put the book away, whatever it is you're doing, change the environment, change the setting. And that creates a habit. It's a habit loop, right? Do that action and change. So that 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 has worked uh, for me. Okay. What about you? So I think time boxing is super important. If I know that there's a task at hand, generally I try to figure out that I want to spend, let's say, less than one hour on this. Mm. If I hit the one hour mark and it's still not finished, I'm going to stop. And I'm mm. going to put it, I'm going to note it down that I need mm. to come back to it and I'm going to start something else. And then okay. I'm going to end up coming back to it. And I assess the, it's, it's not always easy, but I kind of assess the size of tasks before I... Yeah engage in them based on how I think I'm going to approach the, the end goal. Yep. So definitely time boxing helps. And when I time box, I also leave <clears throat> like, I don't need to punish myself. If I, if I don't, if, mm. if I feel like I'm spending too long on a specific task and there's something else I'm not able to do because of this, it, it removes away the loop that, and I always have in my head that it doesn't, it's okay if the one hour passes and I don't get to where I need to get. Hmm. The other thing, that's fine, but the other thing that I have in my mind is I'm gonna do whatever I can to get this done inside one hour. Okay. And sometimes that means that what I put out is not of perfect quality. And again, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm someone who really values output and efficiency. Yes. Efficiency is my number one thing. So time boxing makes me really efficient. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would say I do to be efficient is I have a very, very simple note, uh, note taker on the side. Mm -hmm. And I always put down the things that I need to get done in order of importance. Nice. So I have the importance of the tasks and what I need to get done. Mm -hmm. And there's always something that I need to get done. And I keep it in front of me. So I have a screen where that mm -hmm. note is always in my face. Yeah, dashboard. Because if I don't see it, I could out of sight, out of mind, distracted, uh, instant gratifications, the whole day is gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Boom, 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 snowball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I could, if, I, if it's not in front of me and I don't see how big the list is, mm. I, I kind of tend to procrastinate. So I manufacture pressure for myself. Okay. What that means is if my list of tasks isn't as long or I only have one or two tasks that I need to do and I feel like they're high priority, I procrastinate because I'm like, I know I could do these in two hours. Interesting. I have an eight hour day, so I'm ah. just gonna wait till the last two hours to do them. So when you have less things, you actually procrastinate more? 100%. Okay. okay. So what I do now is I manufacture pressure and I know I'm doing it, but it's, 
it's working for me. I find things to do throughout mm, the day. Okay. I'm like, this would be really good to do. This would be really good to do. This would be really good to do. And the list becomes eight things that I need to do over the mm, day. Okay. The top two are priority, but I know I want, I need to do the, the other six because they're really good things that I need to get done. Okay. But I, I kind of manufacture them. I, they're not tasks that mm. are there. Interesting. And that are given to Is me. Is that for momentum building? That is for pressure adding. Okay. So if I, I, I add pressure to my, I pressure myself to perform because I know that I perform well under pressure mm -hmm. and I'm the procrastinator type that's the risk taker, mm -hmm. the thrill seeker. That's the way I procrastinate. So I learned, like I learned, to stay I busy. think that's kind of, it happened more intuitively than it did because I really read into mm -hmm. how, how it happens. I think intuitively, because I know that I'm gonna waste time and put off tasks if I don't have a challenge in front of me, mm. I'm giving myself challenges. Because it's really important to me to be a top performer at my job. Yeah. And this is what keeps me going. And mm. this is what keeps pressure added. And it also helps that my job is a high pressure environment. Mm. So but, they're compliments, yeah. But yeah, that's one thing that you know, I feel really helps me. I don't know if it'll help everyone. I think mm. for some people doing that would add too much stress and would actually be a detriment, a detriment to their true. procrastination. Yeah, because some people under pressure tend to procrastinate more because of the avoidance. If they're an avoidant type of procrastinator, that's not the way to go about it. Mm. It's probably better to do precise goal setting for those people. That's the thing. And you need to find what works for you ultimately because there's, there isn't one, you know, like... Uh, a rule that just, you know, gets it for everyone. Yeah. And then you've, it's interesting, you found these, like, just your own hacks to be able to uh, to get it. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Because it's about, and to summarize, your first point is progress over perfection. Yeah. You just need to stay, keep the momentum up, keep doing things, stay productive. And I think it's important, even for people who are perfectionists, mm. to forgive themselves if things aren't perfect, yeah. like we said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because really, what is perfect? It's a subjective concept that's never really attainable. Yeah. I don't think in our world, perfection is 100%. attainable. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that we can consider perfect is logic, mm -hmm. right? If you think of mathematics, 100%. because it's if A equals B and B equals mm -hmm. C, then A equals C. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, I guess, perfect because okay. it's logical. But okay. otherwise, if you're thinking of stuff that are more abstract, what is perfection there if is it's no. subjective? Yeah, yeah, there isn't. Uh, just before we wrap up, there's, uh, I think we have a few minutes. There's uh, two points I want to raise. And again, we, we tend to do this. There's a lot of lessons from history. And, and one of them is a term that the Greeks came up with that defines procrastination a little bit differently, a bit more deeper. And it's called akrasia. Have you heard of akrasia? it? Akrasia? Akrasia or akrasia? Yeah, I haven't heard of it, but... Okay, so akrasia is acting against your better judgment... And it's when you know that you should be doing something, but you, you resist doing it and you almost never end up doing it. It's when you say, I should, you know, I should start working out. You know, I should uh, start focusing on my food. You know, I should. It's that kind of, you know, narrative to yourself. And it's, it's a bit deeper than, uh, than just procrastination. It's a form of it. And I think procrastination emerged from the word, but it's a little bit different. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, mm. I know that I've struggled with something like that before, and I know a lot of people mm. have, and that's probably why New Year's resolutions are so big. 
Yeah. It's because you put off something and you're like, mm. okay, new year, new me yeah. kind of thing, yeah, yeah. which also feeds into the fact that the future you is someone else, like new year, new me. What does that even mean? You're yeah. still going to be you when January the 1st mm. hits. Yeah. So what, what can we do to stop putting off tasks to the point where we don't do them. And if it's not a task, it's more of like a habit that you want to build, for mm. example, because you can procrastinate building good habits as well. Going to the gym, eating yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, waking up in the morning and making your bed, that kind of stuff. So is, is that, would that be the same thing? Like concrete goal setting, uh, the Pomodoro technique? Yeah, uh, how to start? I think ultimately it's about the starting because the start is, it gives you that energy. You get motivation. How do you get that motivation to start? <clears throat> it depends on the task. But, you know, for, for me, again, the two minute rule, like how do you, okay, instead of going to the gym and think, <clears throat> excuse me, thinking I need to do an hour, start by doing five push-ups. Again, you know, it's just about your, and this is to quote James Clear a little bit, is that cast a vote for the identity you want. It doesn't, a workout isn't five push-ups, but it tells you that, okay, I'm someone that I want to start doing this, that I'm starting slowly. And there's a thing I've, I've used as well, the one minute plank for 30 days, one minute, just do a plank for one minute. That sort of builds that habit that, okay, I can do this. And then, okay, how can I take it one level above and above? Just slowly, it's about slow steps. So if it's starting a big slowly. task, Set a goal and break it down for a small task that's going to take you two minutes or less, just so that you get started with whatever 100%. you need to do. Yeah, you need and that I think activation. I think that makes a lot of sense because when I, I find that if I'm putting something off, mm. if I set something that I know I could complete <clears throat> in a couple of minutes, I get on that train. Mm. It becomes so much easier to start working on a task. If you 100%. do five push-ups you're very likely to continue and just do a full-blown yes. workout yes. because you started with those five push-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, that's, I think that's a really good tip for people who struggle with procrastination is try to reduce what your brain is looking at as punishment as much as possible because there's a certain element of it where your brain is thinking, why are you punishing me by mm. doing five push-ups? Why are you punishing me by working on this uh, PowerPoint presentation yeah. when I can be gratified by looking at cat videos. 100%. That's what your brain's saying. Yeah, yeah. So you need to kind of teach it that this is not the first of all, you need to conv you need to trick it into, you know, this is not punishment because it's a short task. But then once your brain realizes it's not punishment, it gets better at, at it. And once you keep doing that, I think you can get into a flow where procrastination stops being so alluring because you've trained yourself against yeah. it. Yeah, it's rewiring, yeah. But I think it's always going to be, for people who are prone to it, I think it's always going to be a struggle. <clears throat> but once you learn management techniques for the procrastination, it's it just easy. gets easier. It gets a bit, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, we can't eliminate it entirely, but it, you just need to sort of lessen it. Yeah. And like yeah. we said, it's an emotional regulation thing. Yeah. And sometimes our emotions do get the better of us. And when they do, it's okay to forgive yourself. Mm. No, no, 100%. One final point, actually, based on what we said, this is more in praise of procrastination and how procrastination actually benefited this situation. Rewinding the clock a little bit, uh, Roman Empire, third century. The Romans were at war with the Carthaginians in uh, what is known, what is now modern day Tunis. And the war was ongoing for, I think, a number, maybe two, three centuries. In this particular period, zooming into the sort of the action, Hannibal was the leader of the Carthaginians. He had invaded Italy. He had crossed the Alps 
with elephants, with an, a huge army, invaded Italy from the north, something that the Romans thought was outlandish, bizarre, ridiculous. And he arrives and starts massacring the Romans left and right, mm. winning decisive, decisive battles in northern Italy. And the Romans are scrambling. So what they do is that they enlist a, a general called uh, Quintus Fabius Maximus to lead the Roman army. And what he does was something that shocked the Roman Senate at the time. Realizing that they, they couldn't beat Hannibal in battles, he managed the delay. He procrastinated battles. He kept, and for two reasons. Number one is Hannibal is a foreign enemy in the Italian countryside, in foreign territory. He has shaky supply lines. He doesn't have, you know, the logistics are against him, right? Towns may can start not giving him supplies. Yeah. He has a huge army to feed and all that stuff. So that's number one in terms of food. Secondly is that he had a foreign army, Hannibal, that is made up of mercenaries. These people at the time, their mindset wasn't long sieges and long warfare, right? They wanted battle and go back home and so on. So he, he thought about, okay, if I can extend the fight and the battles and avoid a pitched battle, maybe I can exhaust them and I can avoid a siege on the city of Rome and slowly wear them down. And what he did, he kept delaying them, skirmishes and, and, and fights and here and there and annoying them and poking them. The problem is that it worked for a good period of time. Rome was able to sort of recalibrate and, and gather new troops and forces. But the Roman Senate actually opposed him. And he was facing internal clashes because of the pride of Rome. What are you doing? We yeah. need to fight and all that kind of stuff. You can imagine. Yeah. And so they removed him from the command, even though he was sort of successful by buying them time. It's a strategy to buy time. The very next consul or general that took over lost to Hannibal. And then the Romans eventually won, but, you know, they, they kind of retrospectively were, were like, okay, this guy actually did a good job. Yeah. And nowadays it's called the Fabian strategy. It's in military warfare. They call it the Fabian strategy, the art of delay. Is that when you're not capable of fighting a pitched battle, strategic delay actually helps you. George Washington used it in the American Revolution against the British. So it comes up. And just finally, there's actually a society in the UK called the Fabian Society, which is, you know, an ode to that gentleman, Fabian, around slow changes over time is actually more beneficial than quick revolutions or quick, rev you know, changes in reforms in a society. So this is sort of an interesting history buff around, you know, like a delay and, and how procrastination can actually help you. There's uh, also a correlation between procrastination and creativity. Like Perfect. sometimes if you can't come up with a specific idea or you have an idea, but you're not sure how to package it, mm. instead of forcing your brain to do something, put it off and then your brain is just going to form neural connections because it's going to be in the back of your mind. You're going to think about it more mm. while you're doing other things throughout your day and you might end up with a better end product just because you put it off for a bit oh, before you, you actually started okay. it. And then it so yeah, you. procrastination can be beneficial, but it's important to understand yes. when it's going to become a detriment. If you're actively procrastinating, mm. which is procrastinating knowing that you're procrastinating for a specific end goal, then you should do it, but it's a fine balance. Make sure that 100%. it doesn't affect the end goal that you're, that you're trying to accomplish. 100%. But uh, yeah, I think we can wrap up here. It's yeah, been, this is it. I mean, it's it, it's been a good discussion. Again, it's it's a chronic condition. It affects us all. It's something that I don't think we can entirely eliminate. It's not going to go away, but it's just about managing. Yeah, you know, and and just how we set goals, how we plan, 
and 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 how we find these tricks to hack our internal neural wiring, right? Yeah, and there are obviously correlations between procrastination <clears throat> and certain mental afflictions like anxiety, ADHD, hundred percent, that yeah. kind of thing. So for some people, not procrastinating is a lot harder than for others. For others, being you know having really good time management and stuff comes much more naturally. Mm. If you're someone who is a lot more prone to procrastination, you just need to actively and mindfully regulate your own emotions a bit better and you can overcome or at least manage procrastination to be much more productive in your life yeah which is which is the aim ultimately right it's just about as you were saying it's not about perfectionism it's you want progress you want to keep going all right yeah well thanks sammy thank you thanks everyone for listening we'll wrap up and see you next time